Our Predict the Career series continues as we talk about the NFL's current star receivers. But first, we just have to comment on the news that shook up the NFL this week. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. I mean, it doesn't fit into what we were planning on talking about today, but when a former MVP gets signed by, I mean, a team like the Patriots, you have to talk about it. And we hadn't really heard all that much from New England this offseason, right? I mean, other than Tom Brady leaving, it was a pretty quiet offseason in New England. Not too many big acquisitions or any really big acquisitions, but when's a better time to sign a former MVP than now? three months or four months after free agency opens. Kind of a weird time, but big signing for the Patriots. I felt like I was in a dream when this news started coming through, and I still don't really know how to feel, because, like, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about kind of the NFL's um, new breed of quarterback and how Cam Newton kind of spearheaded that. But I still, like, okay, I get it. He won an MVP award. He's had some good... I don't think Cam Newton's that good. I'll just be honest. Um... And it hurts me to say that because I want to believe that he can come and be a star for the Patriots. But truth be told, I think he's done. I think this is probably a one-year stopgap. And, and who knows, maybe Jarrett Stidham, this was just the fire they wanted to put under his butt so that he would actually go in and fight for a starting job. But um, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm torn because I like want to be happy that the Patriots are showing some desire to compete. And I do want to believe that Cam Newton can capture some of the fire he's had. But he just is not a Patriot. Like he's not accurate. He doesn't really protect the football super well. He runs a totally different style of offense than they do. And, and I just, I want to be excited about this, but I just can't. See, and that's an interesting thing too. Like the, the Patriots have always had Brady, right? Or like for the past, however many years have had Tom Brady. And so they've had that, I guess, same base of their offense right it's not like their offense was the same every given year but for the most part it was focused on Tom Brady's strengths and so for them to make such a dramatic change to Cam Newton's strengths will be quite interesting and you know what I'm sort of on the, the same boat that you are Daniel I don't necessarily think that he's gonna resurrect the the franchise that I mean <laughs> it's it's not like he's going to take them to the Super Bowl and I think that anyone that has that expectation like right off the bat is you know, going to be disappointed. I don't think Jarrett Stidham was that bad of an option, first of all. And so for them to go out and get Cam Newton, um, I mean, it's pretty cool because it, it it just shows that the Patriots are willing to adapt their franchise that dramatically from Tom Brady. And I think it was Pro Football Focus that said this today, that after, you know, three months or four months that Cam Newton has actually been available now, this was not the Patriots signing a person who they believe is the former MVP or they're getting the, the quality of the former MVP, but more so it's the Patriots realizing that they have enough money to spend and like that this is the perfect gamble for them kind of thing, right? That they have seven and a half million dollars that they can just throw at a player that if the player does well, perfect. They're in, you know, they're in the playoffs and they have a shot at the championship. If that player doesn't do well, they don't pay them any of their incentives and, you know, he goes and so I really like that take on it it's more of a like a low risk high reward payoff yeah at that dollar value. exactly so it's not like well and that's the thing know, I think of, too many people are contract, jumping on the back all of his contract will be made up of not likely to be earned incentives so he'll count very little against the cap this year and if he sucks he'll count nothing against the cap next year 
And if he's good, then you pay $7.5 million for a QB who can play. So it really is a no-loss situation for the Patriots here. Um, I'm very curious what the base value of that contract will end up being, but that hasn't come out yet. Anyways, we just wanted to quickly touch on the Cam Newton news because, goodness, the league just went off when when that broke. And as Patriots fans, uh, I think we just couldn't resist. So we want to talk about uh, these these NFL receivers who either for the last few years or, or for almost all of recent memory have been um, your dominant NFL wide receivers. And, and so starting off on this list um, is a guy who has made huge news this offseason because of a very questionable trade involving him. Um, and I think has, has really earned his respect over the last few years as one of the best receivers in the game, if not one of the most, I don't know, spectacular receivers. You know, like he just makes nuts catches look easy. He has incredible hands. And uh, that's DeAndre Hopkins, now a wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, which feels so messed up to say. When Adam and I were doing our little pre-show talk, it actually dawned on me once again that he was no longer with Houston, and that threw me off a little bit. But Adam, DeAndre Hopkins is going to turn 28 or no, yeah, he is 28. He just turned 28 a couple weeks ago. So at his age 28 season, what are you thinking for DeAndre Hopkins heading into this year with Arizona and also going into the rest of his career now? Yeah, so I'm a big DeAndre Hopkins fan. DeAndre Hopkins fan. Um, I think that he'll do really well with Kyler Murray. And I mean, if you look at some of the, the years where he's had you know, not the best numbers, most of those are with a pretty bad quarterback. So now for him to go from Deshaun Watson, who's a star in the league, to another quarterback who's sort of on the rise and in that, you know, on the bubble of being a star in this league, it'll be really interesting to see how he can contribute to Arizona. So, you know what, I have high expectations for him as Kyler grows and like moves towards his peak. And I think DeAndre Hopkins will will be able to ride that wave. Um, I expect a good first season with the Cardinals and I can I could foresee him being one of these guys that we're talking about consistently as a top receiver for the next three to four years. What about so, yourself, though? Yeah, yeah, I think your your assessment is really good. I, I do like him in that Arizona offense. I think they're going to give him opportunities to, to do what he's best at, and I think he's going to open up things that Kyler Murray really didn't have as much of a shot with. Like Larry Fitzgerald was not a super effective deep threat. Christian Kirk is usually I would say like a better slot receiver than he is anything else. He's not stretching the field on anyone. So now with DeAndre Hopkins in that spot, it's, it really is um, almost a totally new style of weapon for DeAndre, for Kyler Murray to get to work with. Uh, I think the outlook for him, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is kind of weird to me because um, he has some really, really impressive seasons. His 2018 season was, was off the charts, chart, goodness. Um, but for the most part, like, again, he's had a few really good ones and a few where he is a great receiver, but not your, like, upper echelon top three. And I realize that's probably kind of controversial to say, but um, at this point, I really don't think he's a Hall of Fame level player, but but he is a heck of a receiver and I think has a chance to build on that resume in Arizona. And see, that's an interesting comment. I would argue that if he has more, like, a f- like three to four more seasons in that 1300 yard range that um and, and i mean in double digit touch or uh, yeah touchdowns as well i could see him being a hall of famer and so i guess this is a good <laughs> good topic for us to get to this early in the the episode but what 
would be your determining success for a receiver? If wins is the case for quarterbacks and especially Super Bowl wins for quarterbacks, what would you say it is for receivers? And I'll just start off by saying that for me, it's um, are you the, the type of receiver that on one occasion or on multiple occasions, we know unanimously was the best receiver in the league. Like last year, everyone knows Michael Thomas was the best receiver in the league. And so that's how I sort of look at receivers is from the perspective of who is, or like, is it easy to tell that they were the best in the league for any given season? And so I'm curious to hear what you have to say on that topic, but um, I guess it would help sort of assessing the criteria for how we're judging some of these guys. Yeah, I think I'd be similar. And that's where I kind of fall with all Hall of Fame judgments is I think um, you have to have been uh, either the yeah very clear cut best at your position or incredibly good at a time when there were other incredibly good ones. So like you would have maybe been the best in another era, but because you're so surrounded, right? Like that's like the quarterbacks of the of the 2000s to the 2020s. There have been so many great ones. Like we're not going to argue that some of them don't belong in the Hall of Fame just because they weren't better than Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers at some point, you know? Um, but I think yeah, for receivers for sure. uh, with that as well, I don't care about wins as much with receivers, but I think consistent, very high level production. Like I don't want to see a player ever slip below 1200 yards. I don't want to see a player slipping below like 80 to 90 catches. Um, I want to see like eight plus touchdowns. I know those are really high numbers, but we're talking about the hall of fame. Like, I want to see a player yep. who it doesn't matter who is throwing the football to them. They, they get it. They make plays and their stat lines can go nuts because any, so you want any everyone player can be made better. Any player can be made better by a really good quarterback, you know, like a, a, a mediocre receiver can have a thousand yards with a really good quarterback. I want to see one who, regardless of who is throwing them the football, they are like just putting up great numbers. Yeah, no, that's understandable. And I mean, if you look at uh, Randy Moss's stats, for instance, right? He's had one, two, three, three seasons or four seasons, sorry, over the course of his career where he had less than 1,200 yards. And so, well, maybe there's more than that. Yeah, my bad. There's one more than that. But um, anyways, like, I mean, he had a pretty long career and that's only how many seasons he had that was under that 1,200 yard mark. And so and I some of those were like when he was in bad standing with teams, so they weren't playing him as much or getting traded around or. Exactly. If you look at Jerry Rice as well, um, I believe there was a stretch where he had, I think it was either eight to 10 seasons where he had over a thousand yards or something like that. And I mean, I know a thousand isn't the threshold that you just used, but looking at some of Jerry Rice's stats, like to try and recognize how he differentiated himself from others, like his numbers are ridiculous. So I completely agree with you, though. There's a couple guys that we'll talk about today that really do, um, I guess, break that threshold of, you know, that criteria. But there's some other guys that get a lot of credit, but really don't. Yeah. Well, and I even think, like, we've talked about Julio Jones, and he's not on our list today because um, I think we, we definitely still think Julio Jones is a star, but we've had a chance to talk about him already. And at 31, he's probably nearing the end of his prime, unless he does a crazy Jerry Rice thing. Like, you just know, and, and DeAndre Hopkins has had years like this, but just uh, just utter domination. Like, when Julio Jones is at his best, nobody can cover him. That's just, he, that's just what it is. I think Julio Jones is probably the best receiver of the 2010s. I think we talked about that. Like, the, 
some of it is just that sense of like, was this guy terrifying? Randy Moss was like that. Terrell Owens was like that. Jerry Rice was like that. These guys who's just like, oh, like I'm covering them. Oh, crap. I'm about to have a bad day. Yeah. So is DeAndre Hopkins in that category? Uh, some seasons I think he has been. He's had down years. Um, I, I think specifically, and, and we had commented on this before we started recording, 2016 was a pretty bad year for him. Under 1,000 yards, under 80 catches, only four touchdowns in full 16 games. And yes, Brock Osweiler, uh, Brock Osweiler was his QB, but we have seen receivers. I mean, I think of Josh Gordon when he was breaking out into the league with Brian Hoyer throwing him the football, had 1,600 yards in 14 games. Like, amazing receivers don't care who's throwing them the ball. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess that's why I'm optimistic to say that with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, I think DeAndre Hopkins can get into that category. And as far as I'm concerned right now, he is a top three receiver in this league. And so I think I hold a little bit more optimism for him going forward than than you do by the sounds of it. But um, I know I think four more years, if he can stick to similar production, he's had the last three years until he's 31, 32. I think he's probably cemented. I just, I think he's great, but I wonder if the inconsistency that he's had, and again, it's not yeah. crazy fluctuations, but just not the like absolute the, yeah. star level production. Well, no, fair enough. And I mean, it's kind of weird for me to be a, a believer in DeAndre Hopkins because it's um, every time they've played the Patriots or the majority of times they've played the Patriots in the past however many years, he always has like a, a quiet game against the Patriots, you know? There's been maybe the odd one or two where he's put up a decent stat line. But for the most part, you know, there are teams that they know how to shut down your best player, the Patriots being one of them. And Hopkins never rises above in those kind of games, I find. And so uh, there's, I don't know why, there's that weird optimism I have for him. And I I think that he can get himself to that level of being a consistent, uh, you know, 1,300-yard guy. But um, I, I do agree that inconsistency shows not just on a game-by-game basis in some of those cases, but he's never really picked up a game and put it on his shoulders like some of the other greats we've seen. And then, I mean, an interesting one to talk about in relation to DeAndre Hopkins is, is also OBJ, right? Um, I don't know. When you're looking at the two of them, I mean, Odell Beckham has had way better stat lines over the course of his career other than when he got injured that one season. but you don't like he, his name has been a little bit quieter and quieter over the past couple of years in comparison to a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And so I guess I'm curious, where do you see Odell standing in comparison to DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, this is the episode where I might just seem like a pessimist all the way through, but that's just because I'm really critical of receivers. Um, I, I, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to eat these words. I'll be real. Uh, everything in me really does believe that Odell Beckham could have a massive year this year and, and shut everyone up. But I do wonder if he's kind of regressed to the mean. I wonder how much of his career wrote off of the hype of, of one incredible catch at Dallas as a rookie. <laughs> um, I was watching that game. Like I, I, I experienced that moment with the people who did it. It was like, it was insane. I, I was sitting in my cousin's basement and we just kind of had the TV on and I was watching and you just see him make that catch and you like hit the backup button on the PBR 16 times. But <laughs> it, it really is that um, his first three seasons, yeah, like as a rookie, goodness, as a rookie, he was already playing like one of the best receivers in the league. Um, 2015, his second year, absolutely dominant once again. 2016, absolutely dominant, got hurt in 2017. And then 18, 
yes, some injuries was a little disappointing. And last year was, was just sad. Like for a player who showed such a crazy level of talent to just break a thousand yards and only score four times on what was supposed to be this loaded star studded, insanely explosive offense. It was disappointing. You have to wonder what it means for the rest of his career. Yeah. And I would agree. Uh, I mean, in those first three years that you talked about, he had double digit touchdowns as well. And if you look at the past three years in comparison or, or the past two years, which he was actually fully healthy for, or for the most part had fuller seasons than, than that one injury uh, or that one season that was it he tore his Achilles. Right. Um, but anyways, in his last two seasons that he's played, you know, 10 touchdowns total. Meanwhile, he had over that in, uh, in his first two seasons, which is just crazy to think about. But um, there's part of me that thinks again, that he can get back to that state as well. And, I'm betting on Baker Mayfield here, which makes me not necessarily making the best bet, but I think that he can get back to that place. And so that's why, I, again, when it comes to Odell, I also have a lot of optimism that he can be in that range of putting up, you know, 13 to 1400 yards per season for, you know, the next two to three years. And I would say, I, I don't know if I'm contradicting something I just said, but I feel like I'm if I had to bet, I would say it's more likely that DeAndre Hopkins puts up those numbers. But I also think that Odell is the more explosive receiver. And so it's really hard <laughs> to compare these two, quite honestly, just because I don't know which one. Like I, I, I'm so divided between the two as far as who is I think who I think is better. But um, you're right. We haven't seen as much from Odell in the past couple seasons as we did in his first three. And what does that mean? Is this a downward trend that's going to continue or what can we expect from him in the future? Because the expectations last year that we had going in were obviously, <laughs> you know, obliterated in the first couple weeks of the season. And so I, I guess I'm curious, will he rebound, right? Um, I don't know what to expect from him. Yeah, I and like, like I said, I, I think if I say that he won't, I'm going to end up eating those words. But um, my 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 head is telling me of course he is he's crazy talented but for some reason I just have this feeling that uh, maybe his days as that because there was a time when I think like early in his career I think most people probably thought he was the best receiver in football it was like him or Julio like there weren't a lot of other people really in that conversation that I can remember so it's hard to count him out now but I and again not count him out I imagine he's still going to be a top 10 guy but I just don't know if he is that number one in the entire league that we initially thought he was yeah, and I would agree. Like he, he'll continue to be a guy who, I think, will put up a thousand yards per season. And I mean, I'm somewhat divided on, um, on him making it into the Hall of Fame. Not necessarily because I think he's the caliber of player at this point in his career, and he is on a downward trend. And if you do just put up a thousand yards per season for, you know, eight seasons, I don't think that that qualifies you to be a Hall of Famer. But his Heck off no. the field antics are, or his. I shouldn't say off the field antics, but his charisma and his personality, I feel like could get him into the hall of fame, even if he is lacking some of that on field um, numbers or, you know, that or could get him uh, overlooked status. Uh, but I mean, antics or what kept him out for a while. Yeah, I guess so. People were just bitter to Terrell Owens. Like there was a lot more beef there, I think, but yeah. I mean, but Good point, right? Like he was kept out of the Hall of Fame life. when he was like, don't sure a Hall of Famer. There was no oh, doubt Terrell, Terrell Owens was literally one of the best to ever do it. I would take him over almost any other receiver in NFL history. Except for two in my mind, yeah. So, yeah, um, same, same, same. So, 
Except again, yep. maybe Julio now. Maybe Julio, but well, yeah, very true. At this point in time, like un- inactive players, <laughs> excluding yeah. guys currently playing in the NFL. But no, I agree, and that's why. Um, let's put it this way: there's another receiver on this list that I have far more optimism for when it comes to talking about them being one of the consistent greats in this league. And just this coincidentally, the, the, that's the big like, fish on this list. Yeah. Just coincidentally, <laughs> didn't even mean for that segue to be so natural, but quite honestly, Michael Thomas, as far as I'm concerned, will be this guy who we see as one of the greatest receivers um, on a consistent basis, right? Like last year, it was unanimous. He was the best receiver in the league. Look at any of the numbers you want. He will be the best receiver in the league for 2019, and no one can change that. And so I think that that's something that we can expect over the course of his career. You know, he's he turned 27 this year. So still pretty young. I mean, you know, I think a year younger than the two guys we just talked about. So it feels to me like Michael Thomas has shown some pretty good numbers over the course of his career. And he's been on a constant trend up. Not that that's going to continue in 2020. It's not like he's going to have, you know, 1800 yards receiving and even more receptions than last year. But almost all of his numbers have been trending up over the course of his career, which I mean, I, I just think that we're in for a show with this guy and the rest of his career. Yeah, Michael Thomas has had kind of a just a crazy career because um, his name was thrown around around a, a decent amount early in his career, but no one really, um, I think, foresaw what happened last season. Because um, he, I mean, it's actually crazy to me that um, he was so good as a rookie that he made Brandon Cooks expendable. Like, and I, I realize now in 2020, the name Brandon Cooks doesn't strike fear into your hearts, but Brandon Cooks was a really, really good receiver for a time. Yeah. Um, absolute <laughs> burner down the field. Was not a high-volume guy, but when he caught the ball, he might just score every time. And now, yeah. now you have Michael Thomas in New Orleans, who's a totally different kind of player. Um, he's not fast. He uh, really is not incredible with the ball in his hands. He's not going to make uh, a bunch of people miss and, and go like a crazy amount of yards, but um, he is the best high-volume target in the NFL, which I think is not necessarily like doesn't bode super well like you said for him keeping up this trend all the time because i'm sorry but at some point you can't catch 150 balls in a season right you just can't do that over and over Um, but no No, michael thomas is michael thomas is his own beast man like his scoring numbers are a little lower than i'd like to see them considering the amount of catches that he gets but um absolute safety blanket uh great hands really really solid yardage totals um has a great rapport with drew Brees. Uh, just, yeah, dominant, dominant player. And I'm excited to see how his career is going to continue. At only 26 years old, as well, 27 going into this season, he could very well have five, six, seven years at this kind of pace still to go. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, um, out of all the guys we'll talk about today, I think that Michael Thomas is the one that, you know, it's safe to say is going to have an outstanding next four to five years, you know, barring any injuries or anything crazy like that. I mean, you could throw the variable in there that who knows, as soon as Drew Brees retires, maybe that's when things will go down uh, more noticeably for him, just with that different quarterback. And I mean, Drew Brees is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So just removing him from an offense is obviously going to hurt some of the receivers production. But you know what Michael Thomas has that, I mean, in comparison to the other receivers we'll talk about, I think is, is that is outstanding anyways, his catch percentage. In his rookie year, 76% of the time the ball was thrown to him, he came down with the catch. Um, if you look at 2018, 85%. Last year, 80.5%. 
Like it just it blows my mind that he is that reliable. And I think like yes, we've and like that's that- not drop. That is that includes like missed throws. That includes swatted balls. Like. He has the lowest drop rate in the NFL, if I remember correctly. He only dropped like a few balls last season. I think one. He might have only dropped one all of last season. Exactly. And so that's the thing that I think stands out most about him is that every time the ball is thrown to him, like the ball, sorry, as a target, uh, or let's just look at his numbers again, right? 185 targets this past year. He had 149 catches. You know, like that, that just, it's mind boggling when you think about some of the other players in the league that, um, you know, great slot receivers or great high volume receivers that the ball gets thrown to them a lot, but they drop the ball a lot. You know, I think Julian of Julian Edelman. Edelman. Yeah, yeah. Example, right? Like he gets the ball so frequently. There's a lot of these slot guys that get the ball so frequently. That's awesome. But, you know, they're not going to come down with the ball, you know, 80% of the time. And so I think that those numbers are just incredible. Um, and I mean, for us nerds that look into that level of information, it, it's, you know, it's a big deal to other people that may not be what you look for when you look for a great receiver. But when we're talking about some of the numbers that he's put up, that's a big reason why. And I mean, you talk about the touchdown production. Sure, he's had one season with five touchdowns, but his three other seasons, he's had nine. And so um, I don't know if he'll ever be a guy that has high volume touchdowns, like if he ever has double digit touchdowns. But I think he'll consistently have 100 catches per year and consistently around you know, 1,200 to 1,300 yards per year. And like, it just blows my mind that he's ha- hasn't had any season under 1,100 yards. And if we look at any of these other guys on this list, most of them do, you know, even in their rookie season, if they just didn't get off to the great start. Like, he had that good of a rookie season that every year his numbers have just taken off beyond that 1,100. So just a quick correction on my end. Three drops for Michael Thomas last season. A 1.6% drop rate, which is nuts. Like, that's still, <laughs> that, that, that's crazy. Um, but I'm to another receiver. And this will be one where, where my pessimism kind of sticks out again. Oh, sorry. One Adam, last question about Michael Thomas, though. One last question sure. about Michael Thomas for you, though, is if he, say for the next four to five seasons, he puts up, you know, 1,300-yard average kind of thing, right? Toggles between... 1200 and 1300 yards and keeps in that nine touchdown range do you see him as a hall of famer oh easy i think that michael thomas is probably the guy poised to hit julio jones levels of consistent dominance with julio jones kind of on his way out okay so you'd put him as a better odds of getting there i guess than deandre hopkins and odell I think looking at the list that we have, there's maybe only one other receiver on this list who I think could challenge him for that. Um, and that's mostly because I'm super, super high on him, but we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit. And I know who exactly who that is as of right yeah, now. But yeah, you do. No. I, I wanted to get that feel for your, uh, your evaluation of Michael Thomas in comparison to some of the other guys that are you know, considered the best in the league right now. But yeah. which receiver did you want to talk about next? Yeah, so Tyreek Hill, uh, like, okay, I get it. He's crazy fast. He's incredible with the ball in his hands. Um, he, he's just, he's explosive, and that's awesome. But I think that we really handed a lot of credit to this guy after one great season, or like really good season, and one exceptional season, whereas his other two, and yes, I'll grant that one of those is rookie year, but have been kind of whatever. Um, I still don't know how to feel about him. I don't think his style of play 
is maintainable over a long course of time. I remember Deshaun Jackson with his crazy speed just being so, so good for a very short period of time. And I wonder if we might already be seeing Tyreek Hill's very short span of dominance ending. And so I'm sort of going to disagree with you there, right? I, I mean, I, I'll agree with the perspective that his speed is his greatest asset. And as that asset just, you know, depreciates, right? Think about it like any business. If your asset depreciates, then obviously you're not going to be as valuable. You're not going to be as successful. And so I think that that is a real concern for him. And, and I mean, the Chiefs as well. He is a bit younger than some of the other guys we've talked about. So it's not like we have to think about that right away. But it is something that concerns you. Um, where I will dispute you a little bit, though, is that this past season he had only 860 yards. But in that week one game against the Jacksonville Jaguars is when he broke his collarbone and there was that like, um, there was a, a real injury scare. Like it was, I can't remember what it was, but it was pressing up against something or like he, he really messed up, um, really messed up his bone. I can't remember what it was, but it was really gross. Anyways, I remember that there was, you know, some risk that, uh, that it was going to be a lot worse than just a broken collarbone. And so for him to come back after that and still play 12 games, or 11 games, I guess, and, and put up 860 yards is pretty damn impressive, you know? Like, if you extend that season four more games and you give him four more games where he is completely healthy and not working his way back from an injury, who knows, right? Maybe he gets into that 1,100, 1,200-yard range, which is not great, but is a lot better than the, the three-digit show there. Sure, and I guess, uh, yeah. I have a hard time guessing with him. I think, too, because the Chiefs, the way they do offense, I do just wonder um, if any player on that team will consistently put up dominant numbers who is not named Patrick Mahomes. Like, they just they yeah. spread the ball around. They're already kind of drafting, like, Tyree Kill 2.0, like they did with Nicole Hart. Like, they're just, yeah. I, I wonder how much they're just going to focus on spreading the ball around and not letting anyone become the focal point of that offense just to make it even more dangerous. And I think that'll hurt Tyree kill as well. Plus let's be honest. He's one idiotic. I mean, not a, he's, he's an awful human being. We all know this. He abused his girlfriend, his wife, whoever that like, he's an awful person. The only reason he's still in the NFL is because he's good at the game, but he is hopefully one more legal issue away from never playing football again too. And that has to be kept in mind with him. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, from the assessment of like pure on field, right. And assuming that all these guys are um, staying clean off the field as well. I completely agree. Right. Like, I mean, um, the chiefs have never really based themselves in, I mean, in the Mahomes era, they've always had those players that can contribute. You look at Travis Kelsey, right. Like can contribute. Sammy Watkins can contribute. And, like some guys put up better numbers on any given day than the other. And so, um, completely do agree that it's not like there is one focal point who's always putting up amazing numbers. But I mean, even look at his receptions over the past four years or his four seasons in the NFL. And I mean, if he has 70 catches, there's reason to believe that he's going to have at least, you know, near 1200 yards. If he has in the 80 catches range, he's going to have possibly 1300 yards. And so I guess there's, um, I just think that when he gets the ball, it's going to be long distance. You know, any given play that he has the ball in his hands, he has the ability to score just because of how fast he is and how um, Patrick Mahomes' skill set really complements Tyree Killen. So there's lots of reason for me to believe that he can put up great numbers. I, I don't think he will be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he can have continued success. So I can see him having like 
three more years where he has pretty good numbers, but I see there being a very, very radical drop-off. So um, when it comes to him and a lot of the other guys on this list, I don't necessarily put him in the same category, but I do agree that his game has to be respected because, again, as a Patriot fan, <laughs> you remember the receivers that absolutely destroy you, and he is one of them every time that just rips the Patriots apart. So you just mentioned this idea of, of guys maybe not being in the same tier as other receivers on this list. And I think that our next name fits that bill perfectly. Um, admittedly, Adam, I'm surprised he's on this list, though I do know you're pretty high on him. Just for a fun little story, uh, Adam, you likely remember this. If not, then I'll just make you cry right now. In a, in a keeper league that Adam and I are both in, I believe it was late 2017 that I offered Julio Jones for Devonte Adams straight up, and Adam turned me down. Um, <laughs> I and, sure do remember. And and I'll give it to you, Devonte Adams had a pretty good 2018, uh, but the rest of his career has been pretty okay, and that's it. Um, to me, he doesn't really feel like he belongs on this list. So I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on having him here. And I think that's that's sort of the interesting thing about having this discussion. And the guys that are on this list are, you know, players that have been regarded as some of the best receivers in this league or star receivers in this league on various people's lists. And so for the most part, it's very rare that Devontae Adams is actually kept out of those conversations. When you look at his numbers, it actually is very surprising that he is in those conversations. He's had one season where he's had over a thousand yards. And, and I mean, two seasons where he was three yards away from having a thousand yards. So you know, looking on paper, it doesn't look as um, impressive as it could be. But I think the reason that I kept Devontae Adams back then and the reason I have him on his list, Daniel, is because he is valuable in the red zone, right? And He's a scorer. Uh, he scores like crazy. Exactly. Exactly. And three out of his six seasons, he's had, you know, 10, 12, and 13 touchdowns. So, you know, 50% of his seasons played, he's had double-digit touchdowns. Now, the rest have been... You know, the other three have been pretty terrible. It's not like they're close to double digits. But that's one thing that I've always loved about Devontae Adams is he knows how to find the end zone. And, I mean, Green Bay, first of all, hasn't given him a lot of help as well. It's not like Aaron Rodgers has had too many other weapons that have taken the attention off of Devontae Adams. So really, he's been, you know, the main focal point of their passing game for the past however many years and has put up some pretty good numbers there. So I, I completely agree. He's not in the star tier. And I guess we are sort of debunking him necessarily being in that star category. But I still do believe that he is one of the more valuable receivers in this game. And I do expect him to have, you know, three to four more seasons where he could put up a thousand yards. And I mean, <laughs> that's making, a, again, a pretty optimistic guess, considering the fact that he's only had one season over a thousand yards. But each season for the past four seasons, he's flirted with that that thousand yards at least. And so... I feel confident to say he can get there for the next couple of years of his career. Yeah, I just, like, I think he's a fine receiver. I, I just have a hard time going above that with him. I think, yeah, there's definitely been, been some injuries that have derailed potentially really good. I mean, he played 12 games last season and looked like he was on pace for a, a solid year apart from those games that he missed. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it feels to me like, a player that people want him to be the caliber of uh, would be getting better numbers because of his lack of help, like because of the ball getting to him so much. 
Because, like, as a rookie, I mean, he was overshadowed by Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Even in the second year, um, I think Randall Cobb was still around at that point. Um, that was, like, was that the year Jeff Janis was just, like, weird and made some plays? Like, the Packers often just have a couple of no-name randos who, who play for one season, put up good numbers, and never play in the league again. But, um, yeah, I just am not overly impressed with the fact that Devontae Adams cannot produce at a star level, even though he seems to be brought up in that conversation so often. Yeah, for sure. And, okay, so completely agree with what you're saying, but if you had to take, and purely on the field, okay, purely on the field, if you had to take Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams for the remainder of their careers, who would you take and why? Uh, I'm still taking Tyree Kill, but that's because I like explosiveness. Like, Tyreek Hill just offers so much added value. You stick him back at punt returner. You stick him back at kick returner. You use him at running back a little bit. Like, Devontae Adams is very much a one-trick pony. For sure. But if you could take Tyreek Hill Hill, for, you know, five more seasons where he'll have his speed, or you could have Devontae Adams for seven seasons where he has that, you know, consistent 1,000 yards and never too explosive or never, you know, a, a bad season, like, in my mind, you have to take Devontae Adams just because, again, he provides that um, that ability to score. And I like, completely agree Tyreek Hill is good, but I just I don't think that he'll have the longevity in his career. And that's purely from on the field, right? Like that's assuming that everything off the field goes well for him and that doesn't get into any trouble there. But purely on the field, I think Devontae Adams will have the longer career and a little bit more sustained success over the course of his career. And so that's why yeah, I guess I'm trying to right. contrast the two, you know? So I think from from those first five, we're kind of hitting a point. I mean, I guess DeAndre Hopkins too, but uh, of this list where we're dealing with guys who, um, well, you know, I don't even know if I can say that. I guess just looking at these next few names, to me, they're ones who I feel quite a bit more confident um, just with consistency of production and the amount of time they've been doing it for and being able to do it even in bad situations quarterback-wise. Um, and we start that off with Mike Evans, who, gosh, actually looking, I, I knew Mike Evans was good, but looking at his stats, I'm, I'm left even more impressed. Dude has been really, really, really solid. Um, yeah. Never going under 1,000 yards. His touchdown numbers are underwhelming for a guy of his size, but um, a lot of targets, um, not an incredible catch rate, but let's be honest, Jameis Winston was just chucking up 70-yard balls to him and hoping he would catch them a lot of the time. Um, and, and really good yardage numbers for a guy who is not fast by any means. Like, really good yards per reception for a guy who is not going to outrun most people on the football field. Uh, Mike Evans is impressive, man. And, and sometimes I think it's really easy to forget. He's also only 27 years old, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. And so in, in thinking about the, the preparation for this episode and trying to comprehend what uh, my thoughts were on some of these players, I wanted to see... Um, because, you know, to your point, he's never had a season under a thousand yards. And so I wanted to look at some of the other receiver grades and see, you know, how many seasons in a row could they go over a thousand yards? Because I think that that's a pretty good sign of success as well, right? Jerry Rice had 12 seasons in a row where he had over a thousand yards when he played the full 16 games. He had one season um, just before the 12th where he, I think he only played in seven or eight games because he was hurt. And like, you could just tell did not have a great season because of that. And so where he played 16 games, he had 12 seasons in a row with over a thousand yards. And 
to be quite honest, I could actually see Mike Evans doing that. And that sounds insane to put Mike Evans in the same sort of category as Jerry Rice there. But uh, it's just a testament to how consistent Mike Evans has been. And if you put his numbers side to side with DeAndre Hopkins, like he he has had that season where he's had 1,500 plus yards, right? Same with DeAndre Hopkins. He has had those seasons where he has around 1,200, 1,300 yards. And then also the season where he, you know, toggles a little bit closer to 1,000 yards. And so I guess um, it's interesting when you put his numbers up against some of the guys who we talk about as the greatest in the NFL right now. And I guess I'm a little bit curious why Mike Evans is not in that conversation as much as he should be. You know, like to me, it feels like Mike Evans really has optimism to um, to make it to the Hall of Fame if he can continuously put up numbers like this. Like I, I'm really impressed and the touchdowns do need to pick up. But with Tom Brady at the helm this year, I think that we'll get the opportunity to see that grow. Yeah, that'll be that'll be for me the big thing with determining how I think Mike Evans' career is going to play out is what does he look like with someone not named Jameis Winston throwing him the ball? Because um, we all know that Jameis Winston is definitely not the the best quarterback in the league if you're trying to get really really good scoring numbers. He might be good for your yardage totals, but um, with the amount of picks he throws, it's never a good time. So. I don't know. Yeah, Mike Evans is a really interesting one. I think we have to talk about him with his teammate because these two are likely going to be linked for a long time. And uh, for those of you who aren't Adam and and weren't aware, Chris Godwin is probably the only other receiver on this list who I could see challenging Mike Evans for that, um, like, potentially long-term dominant player. And I know that's nuts because he really hasn't done that much, but I am super high on Chris Godwin. I think he is an exceptional player. Um, I think he might be the reason that Mike Evans ends up on a different team in the not-too-distant future. Um, Yeah, I just think he has uh, an exceptional skill set, just an exceptional natural ability to play. I think we saw teases of it last year, or like in 2018 and 2019, he just absolutely broke out. And I mean, the one big difference between the two of these guys is that Chris Godwin, I, I mean, beyond the fact that they played based on different strengths and, you know, um, Chris Godwin being a slot guy, Mike Evans being an outside guy, completely different strengths. So like, other than that, beyond that, Chris Godwin is quite a bit younger than, than Mike Evans is. And so that's why I think that, um, is he the youngest receiver we have on this list? I think he is. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. He's only, yeah, he's only 24 24. years of age. And so for him to put up a a season like last year, yeah, it was quite impressive. Over 1300 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, you know, pretty impressive numbers for a guy that's only 23. And so I think that there is a lot of reason to be optimistic about Chris Godwin, especially having a quarterback like Tom Brady this year, who is who loves prone to throw guys. Exactly. Prone to slow to his, pr- <laughs> prone to throw to his slot guys quite a, you know, quite a few times per game, quite often over the course of the season, high frequency going to Chris Godwin. Um, but I have two different questions about them as far as how their careers will turn out. And so, the main question I have for Mike Evans is similar to that topic that we were talking about earlier. Will Mike Evans ever be the unanimous best receiver in any given season? I don't think that we've seen that from him yet. I, I think that we really will see that from him in the future. Like I, I don't have too much doubt that he'll have one of those seasons, but I guess I'm curious how many of those seasons he can have. And for Chris Godwin, I'm curious, what kind of numbers will he put up over the course of his career? You know, like, does he go on an up, upward trend? from 2019 can he put up over 100 yards or sorry over 100 catches this year can he put up over you know 1400 yards in a season 
Is it just his catches that go up? Like, what does the peak of Chris Godwin's productivity look like? And so I think with Tom Brady this year, it'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, wide receiver, just like pretty much any position in the league, um, what what we want from these players is determined so much by archetype, right? Like, you know, 4-3 outside linebacker, 3-4 outside linebacker, both technically outside linebackers. Um, but it's not like I need my 4-3 outside linebacker putting up 10 sacks to make it worth having them on my team, you know? Um, like defensive tackles, are you a nose tackler or just a D tackle? That, right? There's so many, like, archetypes, and I think receiver very much is like that and it probably has more archetypes than any other position in the league that's what makes it hard to judge mike evans because for his archetype i mean i look at 2018 what a season like he averaged 17.7 yards per catch that is nuts that is absolutely insane that like on average when he touched the football he was essentially picking up a first down and three quarters like that to me is is it is a crazy, crazy stat, and you have to look at that because of his archetype. He's a big body guy. He's there to move the chains. He's there to score in the red zone when you don't know who else to throw the football to. He's what, 6'5", 230, something like that. He's huge. He is a huge, huge guy. Um, so, no, like you can't look at his yardage totals necessarily for what makes him dominant. It's, it's, it's going to be his, um, his yards for reception and his touchdowns, and I think he has to get those touchdowns up to, to really be in that conversation. Chris Godwin's the other way. I want to see a guy with a lot of targets, a lot of catches, and a lot of yards. Like, that's what I want to see from him. I don't need a high yards per reception. Like, I mean, he had 15 and a half last season, which was great. But, like, give me 12 yards yards per reception out of him and over 120 catches. And, like, that's what I want to see from him, you know? So it, it's different based on the style of player they are, too. And I completely agree. But um, I take a guy like Calvin Johnson, right? Like, him and Mike Evans, very similar body type. Very similar type of players. I'm just looking at Calvin, Calvin Johnson's Johnson numbers. Much the... faster. I mean, fair enough, but they should be a similar type of player, right? Like Mike, Mike Evans plays a similar type of role, not necessarily the same skills. Like Calvin Johnson was an unreal receiver, and not just any receiver is going to compare to him. But Calvin Johnson had a season where he put up 1,964 yards. He had another season put up 1,681 yards. Another season, 1,492. And so no, Calvin Johnson didn't have the consistency that Mike Evans has, but I guess I'm curious to see if Mike Evans can ever put up a season like that, right? Or how many seasons he can put up like that. Will he ever have a, you know, beyond consistent type season? Will he ever have a season that, uh, you know, transcends that consistency that has been able to show thus far in his career? And beyond that 1,500 mark, too. So I completely agree with what you're saying, though, right? Like, Chris Godwin is going to be that high-frequency guy who will get the ball in his hands quite a bit, and that's where the, the success of his numbers will show. But for Mike Evans, I you know, I just have expectations that because he is sort of that similar type of receiver to Calvin Johnson in my mind, I, I want to see that production from him in order to put him in that conversation fully. As far as I'm concerned, though, out of all the people that we've talked about today, I... Uh, Michael Thomas is the only one that I have more optimism uh, or more optimism for than Mike Evans on this list. Like, I, I think that we can expect Mike Evans to just take off in the next three to five years. And like, I think I could see him being a first ballot hall of famer. Maybe that's off topic. Maybe that's irrelevant to what we were just talking about, but like real talk, like Mike Evans is, is going to um, be that receiver. It's just, I want to see it happen. And I'm stating out here right now, my faith in that happening, but I want to see that happen. And so I mean, yeah, I just it's, it's contradicted everything to me I've that said, he but... doesn't get more credit. 
Yeah, it, it's crazy it's to me. He doesn't get more credit there. But we got we got two more guys on this list, and I think honestly, Amari Cooper is another one who I I have a hard time putting him in the same conversation as some of these players. I get that he's had some really solid seasons, um, but he really has not been incredible you know he's been he's been good not great and he's done that with good quarterbacks for the most part and that to me is oh, I mean I guess it depends on how you feel about um Derek Carr but uh, yeah I I don't believe in Amari Cooper as much as some people do and I think that that's gonna definitely impact um I mean how I think about him long term but I don't know Adam I actually don't think I know where you land on him like I'll just say I think Amari Cooper probably is destined to be a good but not great receiver. Um, a guy who is definitely a number one, but is not a like transcendent dominant number one. Just a, a good number one. And you know what? <laughs> I feel like when we were talking about players and in, going into free agency this past offseason, I feel like I gave this guy a lot of credit. And I, I haven't listened back to that episode in a while, but I'm thinking as though I was giving him quite a bit of praise. And I mean, to be fair, when you have a, what, 26-year-old receiver on the market and, you know, showing as much promise as he has in the course of his career. You gotta pay yeah, him. exactly. Right? Like, he deserves a lot of excitement. And even amongst a draft class that was studded with receivers, he still got a pretty good contract this offseason. And so that's where um, I think he had been hyped up quite a bit this offseason because there was no other name in free agency when it came to wide receiver options. But I completely agree. He's not one of those guys that, um, you know, is transcendent at the receiver position. He's one of those guys that will consistently produce, you know, a, a pretty conservative, you know, 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards over the course of his career. But I don't think he'll ever have that 1,400, 1,500 type yards uh, or type of seasons, you know, like some of the other guys that we've talked about on this list. And so, I think it's really interesting that because a guy's available in free agency, you feel as though suddenly they're more desirable, right? Or a lot better than they truly are. But when you break down the numbers, I can honestly say there's not too much about Amari Cooper's numbers that have really impressed me. It's not like he did anything against Stephon Gilmore this past year, right? There, were, I mean, there were some players that showed up Stephon Gilmore. I, I can remember John Brown in that Saturday night game um where he ran that route and stefan gilmore literally fell over because john brown had tripped him out and just couldn't compete with his uh with john brown's speed but amari cooper has never really done that to anyone that i that i can remember anyways you know he never has that game right i picture like the randy moss game three catches a hundred and however many yards and three touchdowns right like that's that's never something i could picture from amari cooper yeah, so I think we're on a similar page where, and honestly, it's funny you bring up those free agency episodes because I don't even remember how I felt about him then. It shows you how much I kind of work off of my my gut feelings as I, whatever, watch highlights, look at stats, all these <laughs> things. But um, yeah, I, I think Amari Cooper is, he's a, a good player. Um, you know, for me, when I when I think of a number one receiver who I just like, a guy who I want as my number one, I'm not needing a start, like, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns is exactly what I want. Like, And I feel like that is the Amari Cooper range. Like, That's essentially exactly what he put up last year. Um, they're, they're really good numbers. They are like, yep, this guy is solid, but they're never going to be Hall of Fame numbers. They're never going to be the type of receiver who is an absolute matchup nightmare unless the team just has a poor, like, poor corners to try to match a certain skill set. 
Um, yeah. But you want them on your team, right? I would not complain if the Patriots could somehow get Amari Cooper. Like, but I just I don't think that he is going to ever be one of these upper echelon, absolutely dominant receivers. Yeah, I would agree. And so that's why, yeah, I in my like in my mind, I'm sold. Not going to be a Hall of Famer. Not going to be one of these transcendent receivers. I don't think that anything like that will change over the course of his career. Um, but yeah, at this point in time, I don't even know if he necessarily deserves to be in the category of like you know top ten receivers. But I think that he has the 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 opportunity to at least get in that conversation on a year to year basis. So. Um, definitely an interesting name on this list, but the next guy on this list is another one that I, I just don't know how to feel about. And, you know, with Keenan Allen, if you take away the seasons where he's been hurt and hasn't played a full 16 games, or I mean, near the 16 game mark kind of thing, I mean, we're talking about a pretty good receiver here, you know, pretty good numbers, but there's just been a couple seasons that he's been hurt. And I feel like people have taken his name out of the conversation because of that. Yeah, I would probably be one of those people. Um, I think he's probably at Amari Cooper's level, kind of that same, like, good number one, would not complain about having him on my team, but, like, look at anyone else on this list, like, easily take DeAndre Hopkins, easily take Odell Beckham, easily take Michael Thomas, easily take Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Um, he's, he's good. Uh, in in Philip Rivers' best years, his stat lines were fine. Um, he was a third round pick, so like gotta give him credit for that. But overall I think Keenan Allen is is a player. <laughs> um and I mean, yeah, long term we'll we'll see, especially now without Phillip Rivers, but who knows where he'll go from here. <laughs> I'm thinking back to this after you made that fantasy comment, but I, I think that Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen are two guys that I've for the most part, I've had on my teams for the past, gosh, what, like three or four years? Or so the majority of the time I've been playing fantasy football, I've had those guys on my teams anyways. And so I, I personally like Keenan Allen quite a bit. And I think that he, you know, he's not your your flashy slot receiver. He's not the guy that's going to catch the ball every given play. And I mean, part of that is because of Philip Rivers' decline too, that, I mean, Keenan Allen just hasn't put up you know, a season like he did in 2017 where he had almost 1,400 yards. So I guess, not that I'm blaming Philip Rivers on this, that, but I, I mean, um, I feel like Keenan Allen has the opportunity to get to that 1,200-yard range on a consistent basis. In the last three seasons, he's had, you know, in that sort of range or, or better. And so um, I feel as though he's he's pretty consistent. And I think for the next three years, he might be able to put up over 1,000 yards consistently i mean depending on quarterback play of course and so i think that it's only fair that he's included in the, the top 10 to 12 conversation i do agree that there's a lot of other players on this list i'd take above him but i have to say that you can't disrespect him when you're talking about some of the best receivers in the game right now um he may not be as flashy as the rest and i think again if it wasn't for his injuries those two seasons back to back i think that we would talk about him um a little bit more consistently as well, or you'd hear his name a little bit more as well. Cause at his peak, he's had some pretty damn good games. Yeah. And that's possible too. Maybe just some fully healthy seasons where um, solid quarterback play lets him put up some really, really good numbers. I guess I'm just still unconvinced that that is his skill level. I mean, again, 2017, he, he definitely showed some, some solid ability, but um, 
I do. I just want to see a little bit more. Again, the scoring numbers are, are too low. Hasn't had more than six touchdowns in three straight years now. Um, but the rest of his numbers are good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> he needs to step it up in the next couple of years for sure. But again, apparently my view is to be optimistic with receivers and your view is you know, to be a little bit more pessimistic. So I guess it's a good balance. But uh, yeah, these receivers definitely do need to to show what they've got, you know, either be more consistent or either be more dominant or just drop out of this conversation as far as being some of the best in the league and let the youngsters take your place. So it'll definitely be interesting in the next three years to see how many of these guys continue to sustain success into their thirties. As we see, you know, some of the, some of the guys who got drafted last year, guys who got drafted this year, who are expected to uh, just dominate the receiver position for quite a while. Yeah, this was such a strong receiver class that this conversation could look really, really different a year from now. Who knows? But, um, yeah, this has been – I mean, I, I love receivers. It was the position I played. And even though I've tended towards favoring defensive players when it comes to buying jerseys and stuff, I definitely um, have, have a massive, massive uh, sweet spot for talking about uh, this position. So we'll, we'll – talk about more like we left off pretty much all of the young receivers who showed promise and we will get back to them at some point but yeah for now this is the guys who we think are kind of in that star conversation or belong to be there um, it is just I don't know it, it's been a fun little series to go through and dealing with all these players who sometimes maybe don't get the credit they deserve or get too much it's nice to be able to just talk about them in depth and work out some of our thoughts on them so Thank you for joining us for this episode. We missed last week because of a wedding, but we are back and, and ready to go. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week.